0: across the city and south cambridgeshire on fm digital and your mobile cambridge 105 radio Good afternoon, Julian.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's great to be with you, Gavin and Marie. It's lovely to be
0: here. Um, it's really kind of you to come in, because I think this is your one day off, isn't it, today, you said, when I uh, spoke to you about It's this. supposed to
1: be a day to actually, you know, do some thinking and actually right. not just be doing, you know, I've got half an hour for this, half an hour for that. But, you know, this is, this is a good way do to Do a little bit of thinking well. in
0: here. This is, a, this is a deep thought will be going on in this in the <laughs> studio. So uh, really appreciate you coming in. Um, I thought we'd do, we'll would we we'll speak to you in a couple of little segments and uh, we'll perhaps talk a little bit about your perspectives on Cambridge in the first one and then uh, maybe a little bit about what you've done more recently since politics uh, in, in the second one after after the ad break. Um, how do you think politics has evolved
1: at, uh, at Westminster, do you think, in the last oh, few years? What, what's your take on it? It's really depressing. And when I talk to people who I know who are still there, you know, from across all the parties, they're pretty fed up as well. Um, you know, I... I I like the idea that we have politics where we have difference of of opinions and, you know, I'll think some things and other people have reasonable things and we will agree on some things, disagree on others, and be able to have a reasonable disagreement about them. And increasingly, it's become quite pathetic. Mm. You've got a really poor calibre of people, frankly, across everywhere. You know, there's a few exceptions who are good, but the quality is not good enough. And the style of debate is very lowest common denominator. It's it's pretty pathetic and it's awful now. And I'm not hugely excited, it could be less bad, but I, I don't see really exciting, wonderful new visions coming. You want it to be better rather than less bad, basically, yeah. I guess. I mean, uh,
0: Yeah. Looking back to the... Uh, obviously, you were, in the, you were in the coalition government of 2010 to 15. Do you, do you see that as a, as a golden age of politics
1: now, do you think, looking back? Oh, I think it was, without a doubt, better than the governments we've had since. And I think, you know, we, we, I, I, I used to say then, no, no, we've stopped a lot of really bad, really stupid things, and I think people are sceptical, and I think now they can see uh, more, more of that reality. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and you know, there's been the fuss recently about um, the limit on child benefits. You can only you only get money to support two children, mm. and you know, it's an atrocious thing that we vetoed came in once we left. Now looks like Labour say it will stay. I mean, it's just it's it, it's awful. But yes, yeah, so the, the coalition immense number of mistakes. So, you know, I I you know wouldn't claim it was perfect, but it's a lot better than we've had since. And that, and and I find that really depressing because it it's always annoying when I. Lose an argument when things happen that aren't what I like. But I'm much happier if it's somebody else who has a different vision and can articulate it sensibly. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong and they're right. But at the moment, it really does just feel very short termist, very narrow, very partisan pretty pathetic. You were touted
0: as a possible deputy leader or even leader, <laughs> weren't you, of the, of the Lib Dems back, back then when they were changing their leaders.
1: Um, do, I mean, do you wish you could have contributed more to politics? Oh, I mean, yeah, because I, I, I went into politics because there are things I wanted to get done. There are things I wanted to change locally, nationally and internationally. Um, I got some of them done. Um, you know, I was excited. The 0.7% on international development aid was something that I'd Campaign for when I was still at school I, I was excited to be part of the of the team that did that I, I co-sponsored that that legislation I was gutted when Boris got rid of it um but there's so much more that I still want to do and it's it's annoying not having some of those things being advanced. So, yeah, of, of course it's frustrating. Well, will there be a Julian comeback then into politics? Do we, do we get a scoop this morning? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I, I doubt it. Um, I'm hoping to have a Lib Dem uh, represent me after the next election because my house is being moved into South Cam's where Pippa Haylings is looking right. you know, very likely to take it, but we'll see. No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm doing various other things. So I'm trying to do uh, things behind the scenes through Joseph French Reform Trust, some work in the NHS, a range of other things to try to influence things. I don't think I'm going to be standing in. Anything, certainly not, you know, you won't get an announcement today, I'm afraid. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a Lib Dem, obviously, and uh, realistically, it's unlikely that the Lib Dems are going to form a, a
0: government in their own right by the, by the next election. I, you know, I, I would have thought, that, I mean, maybe you disagree. <laughs> I wouldn't but, put my money on it, but you know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there could be a, a, a Labour-Lib Dem coalition, couldn't there, next
1: time? Do you think that would be good for the country at this stage? So I think it would ha- we'd have to see how something like that would work, and, you know, we certainly shouldn't jump. I think getting rid of this government is an essential thing. You know, that, that to me is the starting point. They are, out of ideas, increasingly poor, increasingly corrupt. The question then is what's likely to be there next. Um, I, you know, in terms of predictions, it'll either be a Labour government or a Labour as the largest party having to work out what to do. my I don't know which way that will go, actually. My, my gut is that it's probably Labour largest party still, but it depends what happens in Scotland and various other mm-hmm. areas. Um, I think then the question is what Labour choose to do. And at the moment, Keir Starmer, who, who I think is, is broadly a decent person, is trying to play things very safe. And I'd hope, you know, and one attraction of it not to being a Labour majority is that I hope there will be people who force him to actually do some quite radical things to actually fix the fundamentals. Let's look at fixing the democratic system, electoral reform, but also getting rid of the voter ID system. What about things like automatic voter registration? There are millions of people in this country who should be registered to vote and are not. Yeah. Let, let's fix all of that, which is in probably Labour's interests, but it's it's much more in the country's interests. So I'd like to see a more radical government, actually, than than what I fear we're likely to have. Let's have a think
0: about Cambridge uh, for a moment. What what do you think are the most pres- pressing issues facing Cambridge
1: right well, now? Oh, I mean, I think I think Cambridge is is suffering. Uh, a lot because of the high growth and all the energy that's happening here so we have the cost of living crisis which is a national one but it's particularly acute here in Cambridge where housing is just ludicrously unaffordable for so many people we have huge problems with congestion you know it's incredibly hard if you want to drive around central Cambridge uh, I try to avoid that as much as possible but that's a huge problem access to, to the NHS access to schools all of these things are problem Childcare. you know the problems Cambridge has are the national ones Compounded by some of the pressures of growth. You mean, know, tra- when, when travel is all, all over the place really I mean, isn't it M- Marie, what,
0: were, what was happening to you this morning? you were Well, like the last days to be honest, like several days my buses got cancelled although we're way too late and like I wouldn't mind if I didn't have to be here to join you in the studio for example. So you had to get a taxi in the I end today? I actually got a taxi this so, morning, I mean, yeah. How could we be contemplating a congestion charge when the when the public transport infrastructure isn't, isn't yet well, there?
1: Well I, th- I think the flip side is how do we get the public transport to be there because I think we don't have the option of not doing something quite large. The, the default if we don't do anything is that we'll just see more and more congestion. It'll become harder and harder to take public transport. It will just get much, much worse, and it completely sees up. So I think the do-nothing is, is simply not an option. Mm. So the question is, how do we get people to do active transport firstly? How do we make walking and cycling more attractive, easier, safer, get more people engaged in that? That has to be the top priority, because that helps the people who walk and cycle, but it also helps everybody else. Because if you could get, let's say, 10% of all the cars off the roads because people chose to cycle or walk... That's an immense thing that would free up everything else. We then have to work out how to get the public transport to be reliable so that it, it is something that you can trust. And if we just say, look, it doesn't work, we're just going to have to leave it with cars, wait another ten years and no-one will move. But how do we break this cycle? Because it's
0: basically, the, the problem is that the public transport isn't good enough and so everyone wants to drive, uh, but until the public transport's good enough, everyone will drive and it, it just keeps going around as a, a vicious circle, well, doesn't,
1: doesn't it? Well, exactly. And that's partly why the cycling walking is, is such an important piece. You know, if you imagine what the Cambridge traffic would be like if we didn't have some of the highest cycling and walking rates in the whole country, you know... Everything would just be awful. So we have to do more on that. The Chisholm Trail, you know, all the other things that are there to make that easier. I don't know exactly where you're coming from and too, but, you know, do do think about cycling. Um, that that seems to me like a, an absolutely essential piece. The idea of the city deal, which was something which I was involved in negotiating uh, back when I was an MP, was that you would give the Greater Cambridge Partnership, so Cambridge and South Cam's and a bit of the county, money to think longer term to actually fix it. That was the vision, is say, look, let's locally, let's work out what we do need to do and have the money to do it, rather than applying every single year for a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. I don't think GCP has covered itself in glory, a whole lot of detailed reasons why, and I don't think it's taken the public with it. But we have to do something... Because if we don't, if we just say it's all too hard, we're basically voting for, or we're allowing to happen, more and more congestion, worse air quality, longer traffic jams. And it means that people who have to drive, people who are disabled, tradespeople, will spend even more of their lives just stuck in traffic I mean, you and to like, me, that's yeah, a disaster.
0: You, you like cycling, I think that's fairly well documented, isn't it? But are you, are you worried about uh, cycle safety in
1: Cambridge and uh, the, the dangers facing cyclists? Um, it, yes, I mean it, it could always be better, but cycling is still a safe thing to do. If you go for a bike ride, it extends your life expectancy. It's a really good thing to do. You know, it, it's, it's healthy, it's, it's safe, it's easy, it's cheap. You know, it's a, a real magical treatment. It's one of the best things that you could do for yourself. Not every trip works, not every person could do it, of course. But the more we can get people to walk and to cycle, the better it is for them and for everybody else. So, give us a little Potter's history of what you've done since Parliament, because you left
0: in uh, 2015, didn't you, at the at the end of the coalition government? But you've had a, an incredibly distinguished local career since then. So, uh, tell well, us a uh, bit more.
1: I, I, I've done various things. Um, so, within the university, I was teaching about public policy, like mm. how decisions actually get made. Um, I've done some work in the NHS. So, trying to, I was deputy chair of the body which funds healthcare for Cambridge, and Peterborough, did until last year when the system was changed. Um, and that was particularly interesting during COVID, where I was trying to um, help on some of the big strategic decisions. Making and the ethical decision making, um, and a number of other things. But my, my day job is running a centre at Jesus College in Cambridge, yeah. trying to get people to think and talk about interesting things. So we have lots of amazing speakers coming, um, and pretty much all of those are, are free and open to anybody. Um, you know, either in person, just just come and visit, uh, or online. We've got recordings of amazing things from. Jimmy Choo, the fashion designer, Helen Clark, who ran New Zealand, the United Nations Development Programme, wow. um, many, many, many others. And they're, they're great. Fun. There was a brilliant talk. I can't say too much about it on radio from one of our classics professors about where swear words come from and why we use particular words whereas in other parts of the world they swear in a completely different way. Where did those words come from? <laughs> um, brilliant, that's the only one on, if you look on YouTube, Jesus College Cambridge you'll see lots of our previous
0: events. The Cambridge Address presumably helps kind of get these uh, these prestigious speakers in for, for this kind of thing I guess
1: Oh a- a- absolutely, but um, we've just had some utterly brilliant people, you know Lem Sisse has been amazing uh, Laurie Adelman who runs the uh, sort of big um, women's philanthropy uh, group just so many, we've got lots coming up uh, William Harston on the 3rd of October's our next public event look at humour what is humour where does it come from but there's just so much more so if you have a look at Jesus College of Cambridge the centre's called the Intellectual Forum Um but it is open to everybody. Do come along. There's some amazing things lined up. I can understand why you need a day off in the week to think <laughs> now. So this,
0: is, uh, this is sort of uh, all, all very deep stuff. And uh, Mike Shalom, who I think you know, who was doing our, our paper review yesterday, he, he mentioned that you'd been doing some really kind of exciting thinking about AI, which mm. is obviously a pretty hot topic at the moment. It's in the news almost every time you open it. And uh, what, what's your take on the way things are going at the moment? Um,
1: look, I think it's fascinating, and I think it's become much more popularized with the advent of chat gpt i mean from a technical perspective that's not that much of a breakthrough compared to some other things but it's the ease of using it you know mm. i don't know if you both have have tried but it's now really easy i did a debate um as part of cambridge tech week where the question was will ai destroy humanity and we decided you know it was a bit of a gimmick to see how good it was to get uh gpt to write the speech for, for me yeah, and so I was presenting its views and just reading out whatever it said, and th- I was I was intrigued how it would go. Like you know, for my my summing up speech, it was still printing the words as I was going up to speak. So I know what it would say, but it was. Scarily good, and it was funny. So I'd, I'd said, you know, please thank people for being there, and, and thank me for giving you a voice. And and it, and it said, you know, thanks to all the audience, thanks to Julian Huppert for for giving me a voice. Uh, but I can't help but think that Morgan Freeman would have done a better job. But clearly, you're you're very that's quite funny. <laughs> you know. did it write that. It wrote that. Yeah, it wouldn't have occurred to me. It's you know not far
0: too funny for me. But you're 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 clearly very embedded in the educational world, being in a, in a Cambridge college. I mean, do, do you think the force for AI in education is a good one or a, or a bad one with
1: plagiarism and all the the potential downsides so i th- i think it feels a bit like conversations about calculators or wikipedia or excel saying you may not use it is just a bit silly because you know in the real world lots of people are using it. i know yeah. lots of people in professional jobs who use it now it has lots of problems it's it's been described as a stochastic parrot so like a parrot it will repeat things it doesn't know what they mean and it will say silly things sometimes But it can still, you know, be entertaining and useful. Um, So it will make stuff up. You shouldn't rely on it. But if you want somebody to write you a draft or to say, what are the ten points I must cover, you know, it's pretty good. Um, You know, it will make silly errors. I asked it for people to invite for a conference about well-being, and it suggested that one of the leading experts on it was Bhutan. And while there is a lot of work on well-being in Bhutan, it's quite hard to invite an entire country to your conference. So it's flawed... (laughs) But you, I think you have to teach people how to use it. If you say, you know, it is forbidden to use it, all you will do is mean that the people who are better at hiding it will do better. You should teach people how, what, what is useful, what isn't. You shouldn't just, you know, it's fraud to copy and paste, you know, for, for, and claim something's your own yeah. work. But using it as an aid is no more fraudulent than using a grammar checker or anything else. This is all amazing stuff. We, we could talk for about two
0: hours, I reckon, uh, Gillian. We could f- fill a couple of shows on this, and uh, time is against us, unfortunately. But uh, do, you want, do you want to give us one more little plug for the uh, the Jesus College Talk Series? Because it does sound so, uh, you know, absolutely fascinating and just a, an amazing myriad of topics. So uh, just just give us a couple of uh,
1: of titles or or uh, you know where we can find out more. Well, so so I, so I think there's just so many things. It covers everything. We've had the executive producer of The Simpsons. We've had the former Met Police Commissioner. I mean, it really is that broad. So. So it, it's, it's at Jesus College. If you look for Jesus College Intellectual Forum, um, either on Eventbrite or have a look on YouTube, you'll, you'll find all of the things there. It's all linked. Sign up for a mailing list because these are free and open to everybody. So um, I know the colleges can feel a bit like they're sort of, you know, towers, ivory towers that you can't come into. Jesus is a welcoming college. Come on in. Come to these events. They're fun. You get a chance to chat to some really amazing people. And the topics are things like, you know, as I say, humour. You know, we've got amazing things coming up. Just come along, you'll enjoy it. It Or watch it at home online. Really easy. Sounds totally brilliant. So
0: uh, thank you very much uh, for, for telling us all about that this morning.